Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's April 2nd, 2019, episode 85. This is Tom from the DC Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outposts. If you are a fastidious listener of the Steelers Outpost, you will note that we come to you one day late this week. And that is because we are both coming off a huge weekend in the Big Easy. Mrs. Steelers Outpost and I needed a little getaway from the, the doldrums of Washington, D.C., and uh, Nick is an alumnus of this city, so we decided that's a good place to get away to. And coincidentally, young Nicholas and his band were playing that weekend, so uh, we were in New Orleans. Yeah, we were partying, and we were um, congratulating Sean Payton and all of his fans in there for getting the uh, pass interference reviewable rule changed at the owner's meeting recently. Obviously, Sean Payton coach of the New Orleans Saints, Super Bowl winner. Uh, some would say cheated out of a recent Super Bowl appearance with maybe the worst call in the history of playoff football since the tuck rule. Although this, at least that one had some gray area. You know, um, uh, the pass interference. Jesse the, James. Yeah, yeah, James. Well, that was regular season. That's the worst That's the worst mm. call in history. This okay. would just be the worst in playoff history. So Sean Payton led a huge charge to get the replay rule changed. So now this year on a one-year trial basis – pass interference will be reviewable. So you can challenge if they did not call pass interference like they should have against the Rams with the Saints. And I guess you can um, challenge if they do call pass interference and you think that the call didn't deserve it. So a lot of mixed reactions. My opinion real quick is just, you know, you're definitely opening a can of worms here. In my opinion, you have games like the Saints losing to the Rams and the Steelers losing to the Saints, as we all know, the Saints deserve to lose for the karma they got for calling Joe Hayden for blowing on the back of Alvin Kamara and therefore losing the Steelmen, the game against the Saints. But listen, you're, you're going to get some calls right, and then you're going to take some things that are ticky-tacky. You're going to slow them down into slow motion. And then we have no idea how much a guy is really affecting the receiver's ability to catch or not catch the ball. So it's good to see you know, some things will get overturned that are so egregiously bad. But I almost think that it's going to create controversies that wouldn't have been there if the rule wasn't reviewable. Do you think it's good or bad, or you think it's a little bit of both? I think it's not going to make a big difference. It's going to make us feel good because of what we, what Joe Hayden experienced, and you know what we've seen. And Jesse James, so, well, not Jesse James, sorry, restrict. So each coach is allowed two opportunities per game to make a coach's challenge. As we know, it. Every play looks like interference one way or another when it comes to a receiver in the DB. And we're going to say this. So 
how many times they can charge they can do two challenges a game and i guess yeah, in the last change. minutes of the half so how many how many uh are you waiting for your are you holding on to your challenge for that egregious pass interference play uh, most coaches use these can, will be used up by that time so i'm no. not sure how much effect this is well if have. you're mike tomlin the, the challenge will be used on a four yard incompletion in the first quarter and that's when you'll see him use the pass interference and, uh, you know, challenge flag. Unless new defensive assistant coach Terrell Austin, who's supposed to also, they, they said he's going to be working with some of the replays. I don't know how that's going to work because he's in the booth. But unless Terrell Austin can talk him out of it, you'll probably see some stupid challenges. But uh, it's I, I definitely could say this for sure. Um, it's a good idea that they're at least trying this on a year trial basis and it'll probably get passed and, and continue to be a rule after that but it doesn't hurt to try i think it settles in like everything else the question is are we going to start looking at offensive holding penalties where does it where does it end but i really don't care when you sort of have I, I appreciate their limited opportunities to challenge that way right. i'm not really worried about the game slowing down it's it's going to be two flags per coach per game plus whatever the booth wants to call in the last two minutes of has. Yeah, it's just hard because uh, not not to interrupt you, but you know Brandon Cooks for the Rams, he dropped a, a critical would be touchdown pass uh, towards the end of that Super Bowl there when he ran that go route down the right sideline into the end zone, and he kind of kind of had a, a corner right on his back, and then the safety. I don't know if it was McCordy or whoever, but um, the safety came down on him and basically. Uh, he was running from the middle of the field to attack Cooks, who was along the sideline, and kind of make contact with him right when the ball was there. Um, in real time, it sort of looked like something where I, I was annoyed with Brandon Cooks because I'm thinking, you get paid like a number one receiver. Put your hands up and catch the ball. I know it's a tough catch, but you're making a ton of money. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, a number one receiver, would make that catch. I didn't love that he tried to basket it. But when you look at it in slow motion, you do see that McCordy or whoever that safety was, he does make contact with Cook's inside arm before the ball gets there. And just slightly before. So I don't know. In, in real time, it didn't look like it interfered with his ability to catch the ball that badly. But you got to think it would get reversed if uh, if he, the Rams were able to challenge it. And that sort of just feels instinctually a little ticky-tack to me. But, you know. Yeah, but you, you know – like it, everything is about leverage. It's not necessarily grabbing some guy's arms and wrenching them down. A, a, a glancing blow can change somebody's. You're moving that fast. Everything's a bang bang. You could just have a move a guy's hand out of the way. And I don't care. Yes, you want to assume everybody's going to have a combat catch, but you can be thrown off your trajectory pretty easy when everybody's moving that fast, chugging downfield. So, what is pass interference? An egregious physical contact, or it can it be like taking a guy off track? But you're right about that. Any little contact can change can be the difference between a catch and a non-catch, especially when you got two elite athletes running full speed. Any small contact can really knock you out of there. But I just feel like there's so many rules to protect the offense in the first place. Now it's like, okay, you can't even blow on the guy. I just think you're taking a very subjective rule. And because the rule, I guess they lined up six to eight points on like what constitutes pass interference. But at the end of the day, we'll it's run, a subjective. We'll that in real time. Well, it's a subject, a subjective rule, and now you're just adding another area of subjectivity. Well, now what do you think about it in slow motion? So, uh, hopefully, it's just used to correct the super egregious 
calls that are missed or made, like Joe Hayden or the call in the NFC Championship game. If you still have the red flag in your back pocket, having not used it. So the competition committee also made permanent the kickoff rule changes, which to me is a big yawn. I, I think it's a wasted I think it's a wasted play to begin with. It's fine. I guess there. I yeah. don't know what the statistics are. What I've heard is it's lowered uh, the number of concussions, which is it's a high concussion play. Right. Great. They've succeeded there. And We're, we, you, you and I both agree, or at least we did agree at the beginning of the season, this was uh, evolving and maybe gone, sort of like the usage of the appendix. appendix get rid time. of it. Get rid of it. I mean, the, this actually has lowered the number of concussions tremendously. I don't remember the exact st- statistics. I've been hearing them, but it is like, you know, it's at least cut them in half in terms of that play, if not into a third of what they were before. So how many kickoff returns for touchdowns do we even see during the regular season anymore? Anyways, I mean, it's like what, like five, I could be totally off base with that, but it's, it's so close to being done. (laughs) Like we know what's going to happen eventually, but uh, yeah, not, not too big of a change there. So it is what it is. All right, so let's move on to the barren west wasteland that we find ourselves wandering in. Uh, there is some news, and uh, there is breaking news. By right. the way, you and I didn't talk about this ahead of the the, uh, the no, podcast, but no, I threw it in there. BJ Finney is back in the fold for three million bucks for a year. Boom! There you go. We'll just reiterate it again. It, it sucks that we lost Marcus Gilbert, but to keep every other offensive lineman starting and backup is beyond critical because. In the depression we're suffering through, or at least I'm suffering through, with the loss of the two traders, the two me first guys, excuse me, uh, you also lost Mike Munchak, who's, if not the best, then at worst, the second best offensive line coach in the NFL. And you really want to keep that room together because you don't, you don't know how Sean Serrett is going to develop these guys underneath of the starters. And the good thing is, you know, the Steelers losing Munchak now hurts a lot less than it would have a couple years ago because the offensive line, it's all veteran guys, and they've all been playing together for a long time. But obviously Finney should be the future of the guard position once Foster eventually does, hopefully now, retire as a Steeler. I mean, pretty much definitely retire as a Steeler. Okay, so let's talk about ESPN, and it's uh, trying to do some power rankings I just I was laughing because the the NFL is just a barren wasteland of news now. Like we're after the combine, but still, you know, three weeks before the draft, you're you're hearing about which teams are meeting which players, but those even are smoke screens a lot of the time. You know, when there's a team up at the top of the draft, like Oakland visiting with Kyler Murray, it's sort of to scare teams behind them. Maybe somebody behind them wants Kyler Murray. And they're like, oh, well, Oakland said that they're cool with having Carr as their quarterback, but they're visiting with Murray, so we might have to trade up. So some of that stuff smoke screen anyways. There is no news. So I'm laughing while I'm at the gym seeing ESPN doing full 32-team NFL power rankings. You know, pre-draft. We haven't even had the draft. You're going to redo this segment and change it right after the draft happens. Yes, I know the draft isn't really going to take a team from worst to first or move the needle too much, but it like people are just grasping at straws right now for content. Le'Veon Bell still out there working on his alternative career. Oh, this gave me so 
much satisfaction. I'm deeply satisfied with Keenan Allen, the wide receiver from the Los Angeles Chargers, who dissed Le'Veon Bell pretty valiantly on Twitter. Le'Veon Bell, okay, now he's off the team. We can be more blunt about it. it Le'Veon Bell does not rap. Some people f- say he's a rapper, he has a rap career. No, he does not. What he does is the equivalent of a, a, an eight-year-old who's messing around on his dad's garage band while his dad is having a couple beers out in the garage. He's horrifically bad. Hey, you're coming close to home. Oh, <laughs> he is horrifically terrible at rapping. And now that I uh, dislike him so heartily, I can say that more uh, uh, vehemently. I will say this to defend him, though. You know, I feel like he lacks a lot of – first off, he does not have lyrical talent. He's, he uses the same cadence over and over again. He uses the sort of mumble rap triplets with a – So, yes, that is sort of part of the style that the cadence stays the same all the time. But even the mumble rappers switch that triplet a little bit to – Anyways, he just uses the same one every time. No lyrical ability whatsoever. I a, a small part of my heart feels a little bit bad for him because when you're a musician, you should get the chance to suck in private, um, which I did for many years. And I don't want any of those recordings to see the light of day, you know, as a musician myself. And, and he's, you know, sort of putting out the first things that he's doing. They get a huge national scale. But I guess that's also the that's also the. uh it's karma too, because for me, when I see somebody as completely devoid of musical talent like Le'Veon Bell getting thousands of millions of views on his stuff, it's like, well, you know, this is what you get. But anyways, Le'Veon Bell put out uh, his recent track with an accompanying music video of him dancing around in an alley, doing the same cadence on his mumble rap as usual, and he put it up and said, "Let me know what y'all think. Uh, is it fire emoji or is it trash can emoji?" And Keenan Allen basically says, "I got to keep it a hundred with you, man." This is trash. He puts a trash can emoji. And Le'Veon Bell responds to him basically saying, you could have texted me and said this, but I see that even official checkmark Twitter users are looking for clout and retweets now. And basically they go back and forth talking about how Keenan says he's not dissing him. He's just keeping it real. And uh, at the bottom line, I think it's hilarious. And I think I'm glad that somebody finally said it because <laughs> I don't know what we're playing. Emperor's new clothes here. The guy isn't even – in the universe of being able to rap, anybody can do what he's doing. So the draft is finally in sight. I know the desert goes on a bit, but we can see a palm tree in the distance three weeks hence. And things are starting to um, come into focus. And, and I hate the mock drafts. It's just, it seems like just, it's, 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 it's NFL porn. You know, it's not real and, and nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, but, I think there's some realities that the Steelers have to face, especially when it comes to inside linebacker. Yeah, it looks like the Devons, it's looking like a long shot that the Steelers would be able to acquire Devin White or Devin Bush. There's a strong chance they don't even make it out of the top 12. Both of the linebackers just visited the Cincinnati Dirty Convicts, so they're definitely taking one of those guys, especially with the departure of um, the chief criminal of all, Vontae's perfect. Broncos need an inside linebacker. The Buccaneers at whatever they are, five, six, or seven, they need an inside linebacker. Both linebackers getting a ton of hype. Both linebackers incredibly impressive on tape. So 
you know, the only way that the Steelers are going to get one of those inside linebackers that they so desperately need is by trading up significantly. And do I think that'll happen? Well, I don't think it's impossible. They traded up to get Troy Palomalo. They traded up to get Santonio Holmes. Obviously incredibly successful with both of those maneuvers. So uh, it's it's not out of the question. But I just – it would take a king's ransom to move up into the top 10 from number 20. So I just don't see it happening. So – we're starting uh, to look in other directions besides outside inside linebacker for the draft. And it looks like Mark Barron, you know, probably will be the starter. And like you said, um, like the mock drafts, I just look at them as a good way to, to, to learn. I don't know what's going on there. You got a Cardinal in the background or something. It's the washing machine. It's been, I had missed the whole weekend of laundry. So we're handling it now. Well, it was worth it. But the mock drafts, sometimes I look, at like just a good way to get to know some of the players, but one trade in the real draft could topple an entire mock draft. One Steelers pick of Terrell Edmonds could ruin could ruin it. You know, one Blake Bortles at number three could ruin it. And those things will happen every single year. But this kind of stuff, when you only have two prime players at a position like inside linebacker and the drop off drop off is so steep from them you can get an idea of this type of stuff and it looks like that's going to be a long shot for them to land either one of those guys so i'm not sure how much draft visits correlate to um, actual picks but i guess in the past the steelers you, you can kind of pick up where the steelers are going based on how many of the coaches end up at a particular um pro day. university but we have pro day but we have had a number of visits in the bird. Yeah, I think that they position. I think they've done 16 total now. This I had some notes here before is a little out of date, but it's 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 nothing but running backs. <laughs> so many running backs. I think a last count it was 5 out of 10, but then they added per Alex Kazora here from Steelers Depot at Alex Kazora on Twitter. Um they added three more running backs and a couple of uh of names keep popping up at other positions. They also added giant Martavis Bryant lookalike wide receiver, Miles Boykin from Notre Dame and inside linebacker, David Long from West Virginia, who we talked about in the prior podcast, a, uh, an equally freaky athletic linebacker to the Devons, just far less polished, but a ton of running backs. So what is that? Like eight out of 16, like half the people they brought in have been running backs. We knew that they'd be taking one, in the draft because they really only have two uh, uh, legitimate ones on the roster. But, man, uh, you better uh, open your eyes to the possibility that it might happen a little bit earlier than we expected. What Do you do you have any opinions? Do you think that they needed that early or that dire? Or are you good well, with just question, Connor and Samuels? Or? I'm not sure that bringing them in indicates the round they're going to take in. They're, they're going to take somebody in. I mean, they have nothing That's but true. time right now to look at guys. Bring them in. Put them on the merry-go-round. You might as well. I mean, I do think that there's a big need. I'm I'm not totally sold on Samuels. I love what he did in the one game. Um, I expect, you know, against the Patriots, I expect that he's going to cut weight and get a lot faster, like Le'Veon Bell did and like James Conner did. But he just ha- he has no explosion at all, man. I can't comfortably put him at a number two running back spot. And also, James Conner. I mean, has he ever played a year of football when he hasn't gotten hurt? It's happened pretty much every year. I mean, like even in Pitt, he obviously had issues besides overcoming cancer and everything like that. So, yeah, interesting that they do that. But uh, there are definitely some names that are starting to circulate uh, and become more attached to Pittsburgh on a more consistent basis. uh, Well, the good news is you don't have to give away the family fortune to get a good running back. So seeing a bunch of them doesn't cost anything except for a plane ticket. And uh, 
be curious to see what round somebody goes in. I'll say this too. We've, you know, I think a lot of us were hoping the Steelers take one of the uber talented first round wide receivers with that pick at 20. And I don't think that's out of the question, but I did find it interesting that Colbert and the main brass did not attend the Ole Miss pro day, which is why, you know, they have three receivers who could be first round guys with the super freak DK Metcalf. They also have AJ Brown who played primarily in the slot, but he does have some outside value. And then I'm totally blanking on the other guys name right now uh damn lodge demarcus lodge and uh, i would have thought that the Steelers would have had some sort of interest but they they didn't send the main brass to the pro day i don't know if you know i don't know how much that means towards if one of those guys would be available in the second i don't think that that would happen by the time the steelers draft actually it definitely wouldn't happen but uh, the steelers don't usually draft a first round guy unless the main brass is at the pro day there is some buzz that we may be refocusing our efforts to the edge rusher yeah, we need an inside linebacker. We need a cornerback. We need wide receiver. But at the end of the day, so that might take edge. another edge, <laughs> which you know has me discouraged because Bud Dupree and, and uh, Jarvis Jones happened. But then again, so did T.J. Watt. And there's one name. It sort of terrifies me as a first round prospect. But after I watched a lot of tape of him, watched some interviews with him, actually, I didn't let myself get too swayed by that. But it is some interesting insight into the guy uh, that he is. Chase Winovich, Clay Matthews lookalike, long, blonde, flowing, Thor-like hair out of Michigan's absolutely stacked defense, has a number of first-rounders on that defense. He is being consistently connected to the Steelers at 20. And uh, I watched a little bit of him today and learned a few things about him. Well, so you know that I I watched the – the documentary last year um, that was called All or Nothing, Michigan Wolverines, was on right. Amazon, and you got an inside look at the team, and that's where I, I first learned about Chase Winovich. And what's cool is the guy, he probably could have come out last year and decided to stay for another year, in addition to the flowing locks, mm-hmm. striking. Right. Uh, striking. He stayed. Majestic, really. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, but he is a resident of the borough next to the one I grew up in. He's from Jefferson Township. Yeah. It's the rich side of rich side of South Hills. But anyway. <laughs> the Steelers do put value into that too. I mean, can't help but feeling that drafting James Conner, you know, two rounds before he you know, he would have stuck around past the third round for sure, and they drafted him early because that's you know, a Pittsburgh guy, you know, Pittsburgh kid, at least University of Pittsburgh. Gotta see him a lot there. But you know, I wouldn't be thrilled about him as a first round pick. It it sort of feels like a reach. He feels more like an early second round pick to me, but you know, if you're the Steelers, you know. It's better than taking a third rounder in the first. At least you're taking a second rounder in the first round. Yeah, that, every year we do a little bit better. Terrell Edmonds, third rounder, you know, Artie Burns, third rounder. Now we're going for second rounders. That's good. But you know what? I found myself not excited to watch him because I, I've been so discouraged by the fact of like, you know, if you're going to take a uh, – <laughs> there's going to be first-round caliber players available at 20. Maybe not at the most obvious position. Maybe it's a tight end or a wide receiver. But just take talent. Take someone who has first-round athleticism. That's what the first round is for, is for super athletic talent that you can't get in the other rounds. That's why you take a risk on some guys like DK Metcalf or, you know, Bud Dupree, the raw guy. They weren't able to mold him, but you he has things that he can do physically that other people can't do. So that's why Chase doesn't totally excite me from that angle. But then my opinion has started to change a little bit on him. I wouldn't say totally, but – 
So I saw some stats today, and I wish I could remember where I where I saw them so I could shout these guys out. And I apologize if anybody who's listening knows where this came from. But apparently Chase Winovich had a pretty incredible uh, combination of scores at the NFL Combine in terms of, like, guys who are over 250 pounds who scored uh, – who timed really well on the 40-yard dash and the three-cone, which are very – what's the word? Uh, relevant – yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of how, you know, it, it, it applies to what edge rushers do, bending and changing directions in a small amount of space and then exploding off the ball. So in terms of having that weight with that 40 time and that three cone time, he was only equaled by, I think, Miles Garrett and the Bosa brothers. That's, that's serious uh, company to be keeping. And then on top of that, he produced on the field. I think he only had five and a half sacks like the past year in his in his sophomore year but then he had eight or something his junior year but the bottom line is he's all over the place on the field so his tape is impressive too when you see a guy's tape match up with um the combine scores that's a good sign especially because he's not considered a great athlete he's a good athlete but they always say you know high motor with him sometimes isn't surprised with a white guy like it's constantly you know, people can't look past that sometimes they say high motor when the guy might be a better athlete than that you know like like a tj watt or a jj watt for that matter but his combine really raised his stock and it shows you this guy might have more potential than you think and so when i watched him one thing two things stood out blatantly on the tape right away number one is he has incredible hand usage in like a pass rush plan he is the anti-bud dupree he has four or five different main pass rushing moves. He uses a rip. I've seen him even use a swim one time. He has a great push-pull move, which is kind of when you explode off the ball and you lock your arms out on the offensive lineman. It's like you're trying to push him, and then you guessed it. You pull him, and you use his momentum to kind of throw him behind you and, and propel yourself towards the quarterback. He's got all types of different moves. He does little head fakes and dips under the, the the tackle to the inside. He'll go to the outside. He'll do that speed rush around the end. A ton of moves, which sort of reminds me of a little bit more of a polished um, TJ Watt. But the thing with TJ Watt was when he was coming out, they were saying this guy is raw because he played tight end at Wisconsin before switching to defensive end. And I think uh, Chase Winovich switched positions as well too. I think he played some tight end and some inside linebacker. But with TJ Watt, they said – the good thing about him is he has really good hand usage compared to college players, and he's barely been playing the position, so the upside is really big. It's sort of similar with Chase Winovich. It's noticeable how many moves he has compared to other guys. And then the well, other thing the, is – oh, go for it. Sorry. And just just one of the favorite quotes I read in the description of him, he has a lot of upside. He has a lot of positives, but one of the weaknesses characterizes hard-charging style, dulls, dulls awareness and instincts. You just imagine this madman screaming in, and it, it, most of the uh, beef against him is that he doesn't have an efficient path to the quarterback. That may be true. Sometimes he can be bull in a china shop. That would be the second thing that I would say was the most noticeable thing about him. He has an amazing motor. I'm trying to think of someone else who I can compare him to, but he jumps off this, the tape in terms of his hustle. And like I said before, that's often kind of like a backhanded insult like hustle, like he's not that great. It's kind of what we say about Bud Dupree. Like he's good for some cleanup sacks every year, um, but he's never going to beat someone on a pass rush. That's not the case with Chase Winovich. He just pops off the screen and how constant – he never slows down. And his top speed 
isn't that of a of a of a top ten type talent or you know whatever you want to say like a Brian Burns or a Josh Allen from Kentucky, but the guy's conditioning is out of this world, and I'd say that he actually does read keys pretty well like he does understand offense he does get faked out by some of those quarterback option things like we talked about with some other players recently but i'd say he he does have a pretty good job reading the ball and his his only um you know where he falls short as a true elite prospect is you know those times were great at, at the nfl combine but he is not a super elite athlete in terms of like chasing guys out to the boundary or changing direction when a running back wants to bounce it outside and going and catching him or, and he also doesn't have that, you know, trademark elite bend. He doesn't have those things. You can't teach those things. So that's what makes him, you know, not a, a slam dunk first round prospect, but everything else is really good. And he might be a guy who gets even better in the NFL because that those, those combine times were telling that maybe is, ceiling's even a little bit higher than you think it is what are the odds do you think of the Steelers drafting him who knows his his name is popping up constantly edge is a need um you know I would I don't know what's gonna happen with Bud Dupree after this year we're gonna have to see what happens but uh it'll be nicer to see them select someone who can contribute immediately but if that person isn't available and it doesn't make sense then his name has, has been all over the radar for the Steelers. And I'll say this. I don't put too much stock into into interviews because, you know, the guy – it's really about playing football at the end of the day. And we've seen amazing players who don't interview as well, who don't interview well at all. And we've seen terrible players who interview great. But he is just lovable, dude. And he is a leader. He's sort of like a, a Thor version of, of Juju. He's kind of – but but he does – He's a very intelligent guy. You should check out this interview he did. It's 20 minutes long. You don't have to watch the whole thing, obviously. But you can get a good idea of this dude from the first couple minutes of an interview he did with Rich Eisen on Rich Eisen's podcast. You can find it on YouTube. He is a really cool, self-aware, funny, like creative guy. He's very well-spoken, very comfortable in front of the camera and talking to, to people. And he even gave you know NFL teams a little crap who didn't bring him in for official visits. They gave him the unofficial visits, and but without being cocky. You know, he's not like Baker Mayfield being brash out there with the chip on his shoulder. He is an incredible worker. Obviously, unbelievable conditioning. But the guy is a leader, and he's charismatic. And if he was on the Steelers. He would bring a lot. And now you're thinking, okay, you got Juju and this guy and, and, and some other leaders really in the building, which the Steelers could use so much more. Like, he reminds me of like a Ramon Foster or someone like that who has that big personality and is comfortable talking to people, smart, hard worker, everything. So he's a cool dude. Well, if you had a hundred bucks, how much would you bet on uh, Chase getting onto the Steelers? Well, I don't know how much I would bet out of the hundred, but I do know one thing where I'd bet it. I'd bet it. At mybookie.ag online today because my bookie offers betters in all major markets an entertaining lineup of gaming options. You can do prop bets, you can do fantasy bets, you can take advantage of in game live betting on over unders or anything like that. My bookie has a great mobile site, you can do it from your phone, it's super easy, it's sexy. One would even say, Who knew betting on a mobile phone could be so sexy? And I would say, Why would you ask that? We've been telling you this for months. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. Visit mybookie.ag online today and don't forget to use that promo code OUTPOST25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. 
So we'll keep watching the wire to see if there's any new news out there. Morgan Burnett, as predicted by everybody, is now gone. And oh. uh, so that uh, just something? remind me, I was going to talk about that Aditi Kinkabwala interview uh, that she did on the podcast. Uh, very disappointed with where mm-hmm. she's been going. It seems like someone from the Steelers hurt her because it, it seems like she's almost willfully leaving out information. You know what? Can you cut that out? I, I don't. The Nyquil's kicking in. I don't have energy to go okay. on the rant. <laughs> Sorry. So hopefully more to report next week, but we will be on next week, and we should be back on schedule. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost, or leave us a note on the website SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Nick, did you have one more thing to say? Yes, I don't know if you heard the AAF. The AAF has uh, folded. Yeah. Can you imagine uh, that? Wow. Yeah. Barely knew you. Eight out of ten. So close. So much promise. That's some real propaganda. Anyways, that is a bummer. So until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.